O Lord, our God, we thank you for uh, the Gospel of Mark, the way in which you show us Jesus. Help us today to see these miracles, but also the man and his mission. Amen. So what would you do if you could go to a clinic and have every problem in your life resolved? What would that be like? What would you do if you went to a clinic and actually could heal you of the ailments that you have? And it wasn't a con. Uh, the doctor could completely resolve your problems. So our family's been in around doctors uh, this past year. We were counting yesterday how many uh, different ailments we've we faced. Um, it would mean that we wouldn't have to wait for the appointment in six weeks' time. You know, when you make it and you can't get in, no more blood tests, uh, no more unknown sicknesses, not any problem completely fixed. What would you do? Well, you'd tell people, wouldn't you? You would go right away and you'd tell people, you'd be calling people to come along with you. You'd be giving multiple five-star ratings on Google from every account you had. And you'd, be call, you'd be calling the newspaper, telling them to put an ad in the paper because this person could cure you of your disease. Something similar happens in this passage as we've just seen. Uh, people are godsmacked at what Jesus can do here. And understandably, the crowds, they just come from everywhere. The whole town, it says, comes to Jesus. They come from everywhere. But something odd is happening as well. Did you notice, as we read, something strange happens right at the moment. Jesus doesn't actually want the news getting out. Jesus does heal people, but he wants to keep things quiet. Maybe, just maybe, there's a little bit more going on here than just a a healing clinic. And the question that we should be asking is, why? Why does Jesus want the news quiet? What is more important to Jesus now, in this part of the Bible, than healing people? Have you got something better to do, Jesus? And the thing is, he actually does. There's a man behind the miracles who has a mission. The most compassionate, loving, caring person in the world who could and did heal every kind of disease and and free people from evil spirits. Jesus has a, a mission which is more important here. This is what the crowds missed this time. They missed it. But it's what we don't, we should not miss as we come to this passage. So for us, we've got to see the, the mission of Jesus here through these miracles. Um, we've got three, three points today, three points. Uh, three words, authority, priority and testimony. Authority, priority, testimony. So first point, authority. We've got to see Jesus' authority here. This is what Mark's showing us. Q seen at the synagogue and it's at the Sabbath, it's a Saturday. Um, the Jews met on a Saturday to worship God and Jesus comes and teaches. Everyone around the congregation are amazed, see, verse 22. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. See, Jesus isn't like the latest opinion writer in the, the examinator or examinator. Examiner. He isn't like the, the YouTube influencer you might see. He, he doesn't just have opinions. He has, like the teachers of the law did, they had opinions. Jesus teaches with authority. You know, and the people recognise this immediately. 
Because Jesus actually is the one who authored the very scriptures that he was teaching from. Think about that. John's Gospel calls him the Word of God. The one who speaks and with such authority brings the universe into existence. This is the one teaching at the synagogue that day. The one who speaks and can bring life to dead hearts, can shine his light into the spiritually dead and bring them to life. This is the one teaching. The congregation had never heard anything like this before. And so for us, when we hear Jesus' word, as it was just read and preached now, through his Bible, by the Spirit, this has the stamp of the authority of God on it. Jesus' authority on it. The word of God. When Jesus speaks to us, we've got to to pay attention, right? And the question is, are we listening to his teaching? Are we listening to the word? Are we giving it the respect that his authority brings with it? And he has authority even over our lives. But Mark zooms on. Because while Jesus is teaching, something else happens. Verse 23. Just then a man within the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You see, the the demon, the unclean spirit here, recognises Jesus. You know, the forces of evil, they know who Jesus is, the Holy One of God. They know, but everyone else doesn't know. That's what Mark is showing us here. You know, we can't escape the unseen reality of um, the spiritual realm. I saw earlier this uh, year on Facebook, on the ABC, um, they talked about haunted, they had a post about haunted houses and ghosts. Apparently there's a place down uh, south which is haunted and there were hundreds of comments under the, that post which uh, people, people are sharing their encounters of the spooky kind. And what this tells me is that people aren't as shut off to unseen things as they might say they are or may think they are. So as we see here, the Bible actually says there is an unseen spiritual realm. There are angels, there are demons. The devil, Satan, is a fallen angel, an anti-God, hostile to his church, hostile to Jesus. And this demon-possessed man has, has... this demon has this man under his power. But what does Jesus do here? Verse 25, be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people are also amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. You see what Jesus does? He frees this man by speaking. See his authority? He, he says, come out, and, and what happens? The impure spirit comes out. His authority is over the evil spiritual forces. So, brothers and sisters, that what this means for us is we don't have to be afraid of evil powers. We don't have to worry about keeping the universe happy or the spirits or the fairies or whatever involved or superstitions. We don't have to be into that. 
Why? Because Jesus has authority over all. He's the one we worship. So we don't have to be afraid. Yes, evil forces are real and powerful, but Jesus has overcome them. He has authority over them. He's overcome Satan by the power of his death on the cross, Colossians 2.15. And having disarmed, disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, Jesus' authority. But then we move scenes again, verse 29, that they're back at uh, Simon's mother-in-law's place. Uh, the followers take Jesus back there. They're probably going to stay there. And we find the mother-in-law sick with a fever. What does Jesus do? Verse 31. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and, he, and she began to wait on them. You know what it's like to be sick, right? You know what it's like to be sick. Maybe the kids do. When you're feeling sick in the car, yes? You know what it's like to be sick? Mm-hmm. Or you just have a cold. What do you, you just want to go to sleep, go to bed, sit on the couch, watch TV for hours. All those sorts of things. I know I do. But when, when Jesus heals this woman here, all her energy is brought back to her. See? She gets up immediately and starts waiting, maybe making cups of tea. That's not normal, right? You, you usually have a bit of a recovery time after getting better. It's not that Jesus has given her some medicine to make her better. No, Jesus has healed her. This is a miracle. It's complete healing. And what's it saying? What's it saying? What does it mean? Jesus has authority not over in teaching, but over also over evil and also over sickness, over the human body. And word gets out, doesn't it? How couldn't it, really? Verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Jesus cares about us. He cares about us as whole people, body, soul. The pain, the sorrows, the aches, our physical selves. He cares about you and me. He cares about us as whole people. Jesus comes along and we begin to see that in this person, in this man, there is actually real hope. There is hope in his authority. We see there is hope for this world and hope for eternity. The story of humanity is the world has fallen into sin. Our first parents, they sinned and the world has fallen into chaos. There are diagnoses, there are mystery illnesses. This is not how it's meant to be. Nor how it will be in Jesus' kingdom when he returns. You know, Adam and Eve, they, the first parents, failed to do what Jesus did here. It's interesting to, to, uh, to compare what happens in the beginning and what Jesus does. Adam and Eve, they listened to the lies of Satan instead of speaking the truth of God's word. They, what does Jesus do? He comes and teaches with authority. He speaks the truth. The curse, which meant pain entered the world and hardships and sweat, tears. What does Jesus do? He comes and brings healing. 
with authority. He brings wholeness to people. And Jesus comes and does what Adam failed to do in Eden. He failed to drive out that wicked serpent. And Jesus, in con- by contrast, wields his authority by crushing the head of the serpent. You know, it's not that Jesus claims to have authority. It's not just a claim to authority. It's actually a demonstration of his authority here. Jesus' authority is a reality and a hope. And so Mark quickly moves on again. And as the second point, we see the second word, priority. Point two, priority. We so often live what, for what makes us happy. We live by our own priorities, what makes us happy. But often our priorities and Jesus' priorities are different. Verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he travelled around uh, throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Let's think about this for a moment. Jesus has basically set up a free medical clinic where you could actually healed of all your diseases. The issues could be resolved free of charge. Um, the queues might have been long, but it was probably worth it. Definitely worth it. Healing for all sorts of diseases. And yet while Jesus does heal these people, he does heal them, he does cast out demons, what does he do? This is very interesting. It shows us his, his heart, his mission here. What does he get up? He gets up really early and he gets out to pray. He needs to pray. He had all these things going on, very important things. But where did he go? He needed to speak to his Father in heaven. He had needs to bring before the Lord. He needed to commune with God in fellowship with God through prayer. And the lesson is simple for us, really. If Jesus needed to, be, to go away and pray, so as Christians, we surely need to do the same. If the God, the Son incarnate, needed to get out, get away from the busyness to pray, then so do we. Can you see his priorities here? This is very helpful for us in weighing how we, we do things as a church and as Christians. If I was like Jesus here, this is, if I was in his shoes at that moment, I would have got up the next morning and got stuck in straight away, right, to the healings. Jesus was doing good work. This is good work he was doing, healing people, freeing them from demons. This is godly He could have got up the next day and carried on what he was doing the night before. He could have healed hundreds of people, changed lives. He could have changed lives for the better. But the shocking thing is Jesus actually goes off and leaves a whole lot of needy people to pray. These people needed Jesus to go in the end. Jesus needed to pray. Brothers and sisters and kids, are we really too busy to pray? 
Or is it that we are too preoccupied? We make time for a lot of things. You know, we have things in our calendars and commitments, important things, good things, godly things. You know, but are we too busy to pray? Now, kids, you can pray when you're worried at school or when you hurt yourself. You can pray. Please do. Pray for your brothers and sisters. God loves to hear our prayers. So learn from Jesus here. It's not like you have to get up super early, but make the time. It's good to call on our infinite, infinitely loving and good and powerful Heavenly Father. Jesus shows us his priority for prayer. And now secondly, there's another aspect here that really should shock us. Verse 38, Jesus actually leaves. He packs the bag and heads out. Can you imagine the look on Simon's and the other guy's faces? For sure, Jesus would heal people along the way. He does a lot of that. But what dri- see what drives Jesus here. What's his priority? What's important for him? Verse 38, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he travelled through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus, the most compassionate person, loving person ever, that's ever lived. And this compassion means he leaves. He leaves the, the, the healing clinic and goes to tell people the gospel. So, illustration. Imagine you're living on a remote farm. Imagine that. You're out in the bush and it's really, really dry. It's a drought. And your water tank has holes in it, you've discovered. Your tank's broken and it can't fill up and you've run out of water. Imagine that. Out in the middle of nowhere, in the bush, you've got nothing to drink. But in the distance, you see this truck driving along the gravel, uh, gravel road, you know how it does, the dust goes everywhere and, the, and um, this truck's driving up to your place and the bloke comes out and says day," and they give you a bottle of Mount Franklin. And that's a nice thing to do, right? You get the bottle of water, you're thirsty, you don't have any water. You need the drink. Fantastic. You've got a drink. But then you discover that this man in this truck is actually a water tank repairman. You discover that this man is actually able to fix your tank. But more than that, in their truck, they've got new pipes, pumps, troughs. They can actually fix the whole irrigation system on your farm. And he has a free couple of days. He's happy to camp out and he's going to donate them to you free of charge on the house. Now, let me ask you, what's better? The bottle of water or the new water system, new tanks, irrigation system. No-brainer, right? Bottle of water's nice, but the new tank means you'll be never thirsty again. You'll never run out of water. You see, Jesus didn't come only to offer you a bottle of water to thirsty people. He didn't come simply with a cup of water for thirsty people. He came to heal people. He didn't just come to simply heal people for a short time, only for them to miss out on who he is. No, Jesus came to offer the abundance of water that would never run out. Not just healing now, but healing that will last. Not just wholeness now, but wholeness forever. Jesus' healings here point us to a far deeper and more wonderful 
thing that God is doing. That's why Jesus leaves. For the danger was, if he stayed, he'd only be known as the miracle worker. So verse 34, notice there, verse 34, the demons recognise Jesus. They see Jesus, they know who he is, but the crowds don't. They don't know who he is. Broken bones, bodies, minds would be healed, but the good news wouldn't be believed. And so Jesus' priority here is for the gospel to be proclaimed, preached. Because these people just didn't need physical healings. They needed to see Christ and be healed for eternity to be saved. And so if this is Jesus' priority, it should shape our church's priority as well. Please don't think that just because Jesus leaves here, we can ignore people with physical needs, right? It's not what Jesus says. People who are in physical, relational, social need around you, please be kind to them. So this week, Sarah was chatting with someone who has injured herself and she's not been able to work for months because of this injury. There's a lot of uncertainty that comes about if you lose your job all of a sudden and your income dries up. Please don't ignore the needs of people you meet. These are your neighbours who you're called to love. But note, Jesus heals a lot of people. He heals a lot of people, so we should care for them. But it's not a zero-sum game, either this or this, is it? It's not either preaching or healing. It's both, with the priority thrown in as well. As Christians, we're called to love our neighbours practically, but we can also see that the priority of preaching the gospel and the, the communicating the message of Jesus so that the hurting, the broken, the people who think they've got it together, the people who know they haven't got it together so that everyone can hear the li- about the life that Jesus brings. We need to be on about that message. So this is why as a church uh, we do what we do on Sunday, Right? We come here and we study the Bible, we read the Bible. Um, It's why we have the priority of a, a sermon. We have this here every week. We want to be learning from Jesus, hearing his word. And as a new church, we've got to serve people where they're at and not expect them to come in to the sermon and hear the sermon, right? Although that would be wonderful. Please bring your friends. The priority is to get stuck into promoting this message of good news that Jesus brings us. For example, in just the small way which we noted at the start of the service, we've got some markets that are coming up. Um, We could raise some money for charity. That's a good thing to do, right? And we can also speak about Jesus to people who might listen. We can serve and speak. It's only a small way, but this is what our priority is as a church together. We don't just come here to sit, we come here to serve. And so we move on into the final point of the sermon today from verses 41 to 45. To the end of the chapter there, we've seen uh, authority, priority and now testimony. For the miracle that takes place here in these verses testifies, it points to, it testifies uh, shows us the man with, who does these miracles and his mission. So verse 40, the man, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. 
If you're willing, you can make me clean. Imagine the desperation here. This man with leprosy, this skin disease, was in self-isolation, in quarantine. They were cut off. They didn't have the hotels back then, but they were cut off from loved ones, society, because of the risk of transmitting the disease. But these people who had these skin conditions, as we read before in Leviticus, they were cut off from religious society as well. This skin disease made them ritually, ceremonially unclean. And this uncleanness meant they, in the synagogue, for example, and this is quite topical, for example, they had, there had to be a screen that was put up to separate one half of the congregation from them. The sick person couldn't go to Jerusalem. They couldn't enter the town to sacrifice at the temple. They couldn't join in the worship of God. And so, and so meeting this man begging Jesus here, this man with leprosy, he begs Jesus for cleansing. What does Jesus say? See his heart, verse 41. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus is angry because of what this disease has done for this man. But notice, please don't miss it. He reaches out his hand and touches him. Jesus touches the man with leprosy. You know, he touches the man with leprosy. Think of that. This man who was isolated, cut off, Jesus reaches and touches him and cleans, makes him clean. Now, some friends of ours had a, a grandchild this week. Their first grandchild was born this week. But they can't meet her because of the travel restrictions. Think of that. Can't actually meet their grandchild. Other friends of ours in Germany, the father couldn't meet his baby daughter for how long? Three days. Three days. Born separately. Yep. Isolation is difficult. I read this week another family who's the, the seven-month-year-old child was away from his their mum and dad for two years stuck in India they couldn't meet they couldn't be together this this family in Hobart Jesus touches the man with this infectious disease he crosses over the ceremonial uncleanness and says I am willing be clean verse 44 see that you don't tell this to anyone but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded you for cleansing as a testimony to them. Go to the priest, comply with the laws of Moses. Get yourself back on the inside. Show yourself to be clean ceremonially. But the guy doesn't listen, right? He doesn't listen to Jesus. Instead, he tells everyone. But why does Jesus say this? Why go to do all these rituals? And here's the key, verse 44. As a testimony as a testimony to them. It's only a short phrase there, but it's really important. You see, the healing here is a miracle. Healing of leprosy didn't happen every day. This is not, this is not normal. This man was a living testimony to Jesus' power, his authority. Here was living proof that the priests had to believe. So, if the priests examined the man, 
and said, yes, you're clean. You can come back in. What does that say about Jesus? It says that God is at work in and through this person. And if the priests say that this healing was a miracle, but Jesus isn't from God, then this stands as a testimony against them on the day of judgment. Jesus wants us to see who he is. He wants us to see this miracle and, and believe this testimony. His miracles, they testify to us about who he is, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And it leaves us with a question, are we going to believe the, tw- the testimony? Are we going to believe the accounts? Are we going to believe this miracle? Are we going to believe that Jesus, when he cleanses this man, it actually means something? Are you going to believe that Jesus can make us clean? Now, you might be thinking, clean, I don't have leprosy or anything like that. I don't have the skin disease, Jesus. I don't need cleansing. But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 15. He says, it's what comes out of the heart which defiles us. Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Jesus says it's actually what's on the inside that makes us unclean. The deeper reality is what these these Old Testament laws pointed to. The deeper reality is that each one of us without Christ are unclean. Like this man who was cut off, separated from society and from the worship of God. So our sin cuts us off, separates us from God. We were quarantined spiritually. We were in lockdown, separated away from God's presence. But what does Jesus do? Why were we in lockdown? Jesus reaches out his hand and he goes to the cross to pay the price of our sin. Jesus gets cut off. He goes into quarantine, into exile, so that we can come in. There is a swap that happens here in this story. Verse 45, after Jesus heals the man, he has to go away, outside to the lonely places. But the leper comes into society. He's healed and he's brought back in and Jesus gets cast out. He touches the leper and he says, be clean, and Jesus goes into exile. So, friends, this is a picture of the gospel. This is how sinners enter into God's family. Jesus cast out, forsaken. He dies a horrible death in our place so that we can come in to God's family. For us to be made clean, Jesus had to be reckoned unclean for us. He doesn't say your uncleanness doesn't matter. He says, I'm going to do something about it. He trades places so the uncleanness of our hearts is not counted against us. And because Jesus was counted unclean, there is hope for us. There is purification for every one of us who believe in him. And the question is, we need to all reckon with, are we going to believe the testimony of what happened that day and what Jesus has done for us? Are we going to believe it? That day when the leper didn't make Jesus, that, the leper didn't make Jesus unclean. He was made clean. Are we going to believe that this can and is true for us? So today we've seen authority, priority, testimony. 
So let Jesus' miracles and his mission here show us who he is. He has authority over all things. He shows us the priority of prayer and the word, preaching the gospel. And Jesus calls us to believe the testimony that he came to make us clean. Amen.